Hey, welcome today, everybody. I'm so glad you're with us. Um, if this is your first time, just as Erica said in the news, man, take a moment and fill out that online connection card. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to welcome you to church today. And our prayer is that your first time won't be your last time. And we'd love to send you a free gift. And we'd love to have you join us in person on July 12th when we regather. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to give you a fist bump. I'd love to welcome you to our church. Uh, not today. Um, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't planning to speak, we were planning to be away, but with everything going on in our country, I think it's just important that I'm here, um, that I share from my heart, and that we look together at God's incredible word um, for honestly, for encouragement, um, but really for, for healing. Uh, the last couple of weeks, just like many of you, I've been learning, listening, trying to understand really what's going on. And I feel totally inadequate today to be able to share with you because I still have so much to learn. But in these moments where I feel anxiety, where I'm worried, wondering what's happening in our country, just like many of you, the only place where I know where to turn is my anchor for my life. And the anchor for my life is the Word of God. And today we're going to look at really one of the most practical books in all of your New Testament. It's the book of James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. And James is actually a pastor, and he's preaching to the Jewish people that are scattered all over the region. And so as they're scattered, he's preaching. He's actually giving them tons of practical advice for how to live their life. And i got to be honest, James is really hard-hitting. In this passage that we're going to look at today, man, it spoke so deep to me again this week. And I just want to share it with you because James actually, you know, 2,000 years ago, is talking to the Jewish Christians, the Jewish believers, about things that we are still dealing with today. And so if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to, to dust them off, if you will, and open them up or turn them on, and get the sermon notes out and follow along as we look at what James is going to teach us. So James chapter 2, verse 1, follow along with me. Here's how James begins. James says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over, over others? Okay, so let's not point fingers. This isn't one side or another side. This is, this is church. And I know you're not physically in the church building, but okay, we're at, we're at church right now, and you need to be honest at church. So don't point fingers at anybody else, but let's just all admit for a moment that we have all been guilty of this, like all of us. We've all favored one person over, over the other. And it can be in small ways. Maybe you favor or you show discrimination over the cars people drive. You drive a Ford? You don't drive a Chevy? Like, shame on you. Oh, oh you like the New England Patriots and Tom Brady? And oh, like... I get all of your discrimination every, every time I see you. I mean, whether it's small things or big things, like we've all been guilty of, of discrimination. All of us have been. And James isn't talking about the little things. James is actually talking about something like really profound. And here's how he continues. He says, for example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry. And so depending upon your generation, um, you're going to interpret this passage differently. So if you grew up 
Um, in the older generation, when you see expensive clothes, fancy jewelry, you're, you're gonna think of like a three-piece Armani suit, decked out to the nines, the earrings, the necklaces, the big fancy watch. You know, the, that's how you're, if you grew up in my generation, you're probably thinking, yeah, the latest Jordans, like, woo, those look nice, you know, high-end workout clothes. So, so it doesn't matter. Wh whatever you think of when it comes to expensive, fancy clothes, like put that in your mind, go with that. And James says, if one person comes into your meeting and they have all of that, and another person comes in who is poor, dressed in dirty clothes, if you give special attention and a good seat, so the place of honor to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, oh, no, 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 you, you go stand over there. You go, you go sit on the floor. James says, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? So here's what James is saying. James is saying that if we are favoring somebody because of how they look or how they dress, he says, it comes from a place of evil motives. Or another way to say that, simply, James is saying, it's sin. That if we have this attitude of discrimination, that we're going to discriminate people by the way they look, skin color, what neighborhood they, they live in, what kind of car they drive in, whatever type of discrimination... So is this in group, one group or the other? Any type of discrimination, James is saying it is it's sin. And, and here's why he says it's sin. So jot this in your notes, if, if you're taking notes, is that discrimination is favoring people for selfish ambition. It's favoring people for selfish ambition. In, in this context, James is saying, if you treat the rich person better, it's because you're probably thinking, well, they can do more for us. And isn't that kind of like discrimination does? Like, what can you do for me? If you can do more for me, then I'm gonna treat you better than the person who can't do anything for me. Or I understand your point of view, so I'm gonna treat you better. Or, or selfish ambition, you fall in line with my political viewpoint, so therefore I'm gonna treat you differently than somebody who disagrees with me. Discrimination comes from a place of of selfish ambition, and it's very, very dangerous. And that's what James is getting at. We treat the rich people nice because they can do more for us than even, than even the poor people. And James says, hey, listen, I get, I, as a human, I get that. We don't want people to be offended, but if that's the angle that we take, it comes from a place of evil motives of sin. This idea of what can you do for me? And the second thing I want you to see, write this in your notes, is that discrimination comes in many forms. And it comes in many forms that maybe you don't even realize. So let me just be really clear. It may come in many forms that maybe you don't even agree with, but it still comes. Discrimination comes in many forms. Here's just a couple ones that you can write to the side. The first one is this social discrimination. That's the idea what James is talking about, rich people versus poor people. Um, your economic status, social discrimination comes from even like the age of people, the young versus the old, the old versus the young, and, and it happens in the church, unfortunately. And one of the things that I'm so proud about at Trinity Church is that we celebrate the fact that we are a multi-generational church. I love that we have older people in our church, and I love the fact of all the young families and the kids that are in our church. 
we celebrate the fact that we have it all, that we are willing to give up our preferences, come together, same vision, same mission, to reach people for Jesus. We celebrate the fact, I'm so proud of you for this, that we are a multi-generational generational church. And by the way, um, kids ministry, student ministry, it's not an afterthought. Like, it is the main thought of our church. Like, our kids are not the church of tomorrow. They are the church of, of today. Even Paul tells this to Pastor Timothy. He, he, follow along. He says, don't let anyone, Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. I love the fact that our church we don't care if you're 90, we don't care if you're nine months, that everyone is welcome here at this church. But it's true, social discrimination, it, it's prevalent. Also, you need to know that there's this idea of spiritual discrimination. Spiritual discrimination. And this does happen in the church, and it's unfortunate. And we think that, oh, if you don't believe just like me, or have the same necessarily convictions that I have, like something must be wrong with you. And unfortunately, what happens sometimes in the church, and we even see this in the Gospels, because Jesus' ministry was about going to people who needed a doctor, like caring for the sick, not caring for the well. And every time that he would take the initiative and go hang out with, with the tax collectors, hang out with the prostitutes, hang out with the outcasts of society, what did the religious people do? I mean, they freaked out on Jesus. They were so afraid of Jesus' teaching because it was upending what they were comfortable with, of how they always understood things so things to be. In fact, one of the most uh, famous stories in the Gospels where Jesus is walking through Jericho, and there's this tax collector who wanted to see Jesus. Well, this tax collector was really, really short, so he climbed up a sycamore tree to get a better view of Jesus and pick it up. Jesus, as he... Uh, walked by as he reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, like come down immediately. Now again, Zacchaeus is a tax collector. Tax collectors were considered like betrayers of their own people back in the day. Like they were wicked, evil, they would cheat people. So when Jesus got to this tax collector, he looked at him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. I love that. Like, I'm not just going to like have a quick conversation with you. Like right now, Zacchaeus, you and I, we're going to have like a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. I'm going to get to know you, and I want you to get to know, get to know me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to your house. And so he came down at once as a Zacchaeus and welcomed Jesus gladly. And here's, <laughs> here's what happens. All the people, it's all the church people, all the religious people, when they saw this, you know what they did? They began to mutter. I love that word, mutter. Like, what are they, I can't believe that you would go there, Jesus. I can't believe that you would do this. Jesus, do you know what he's done? Jesus, he's not like us. Jesus, he doesn't have the same political views as us. Jesus, he works like Jesus. Like he, they just began to mutter. And here's what they said. Jesus, like he is a sinner. Like, why would you spend time with this? They were spiritually discriminating against Zacchaeus. And again, as Christians, I just think that we make judgments, and in return, we make judgments 
of other people, sometimes when they walk into our doors or outside of our doors, whatever the case is, right, that we create a culture where lost people can't be found because they sense the judgment. They said, well, I've made so many mistakes in my past. There's no way that God could love me. That, that's the baggage that many people deal with, and we begin to look at them and think, you don't belong here. We begin to mutter about they don't belong. They're not one of us. It happens everywhere in church. And maybe you're tuning in today, and maybe you feel the same way. Like, I don't belong there. I can't walk into a church. I, I can't do that. I want you to know. I want you to know that our church, everyone is welcome. We don't care about your past. We are way more concerned about the future that God has for your life. And there is forgiveness and there is grace and you're gonna find people that are on the journey with you. I, I say this all the time, that I'm just a 37-year-old guy like figuring life out, trying to be a good husband, trying to be a good dad, trying to be a good pastor, but I sin just like everybody else. And my sin is not lesser or greater than yours. We're all on this journey together. And you're welcome here at Trinity Church. And we love you. And we believe that God wants to do something special in your heart and in your life. But that's happened. So spiritual discrimination. And the third thing, and this is what's happening right now in our country, and I want to address it, is this, is this racial discrimination. This racial discrimination. And again, please understand me. This is not a political statement. But what we've seen in the news, like regardless of where you fall in all of this, like racial discrimination is sin, and it has zero place in the body of Christ. Zero place. And maybe you would just say, well, I, I grew up this way. That's how I was raised. Or maybe we even make excuses, right, of thinking, well, they don't know better. It's okay. No, 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 no. Like, because we're followers of Jesus, like, we are compelled to action. When we see injustice, we are compelled to stand up. We are compelled. Racial, it has no place in the body of Jesus. No place in the local church. And if you can't get on board with that, let me, you're not going to like heaven, <laughs> just so you know. Like, heaven will have every race, every tribe, every tongue. All of us are going to be in heaven. So if you can't get on board with this, like you better not show up in heaven because you ain't going to like it at all. But racial discrimination, it's prevalent. And I'm telling you, it has no place in the body, in the body of Christ. And, and here's why. All of this discrimination, so whatever it is, we're all guilty at different points of discrimination. All of us are. Here's why this is so dangerous. And this is the second point, is that any type of discrimination, it creates division. It creates division. So is there any surprise is there any surprise that Satan would use any type of discrimination to divide? That, that, that's what he's doing. He's trying to divide us, this side versus that side, because he knows that if together we can separate, ultimately we become isolated, and an isolation is where the evil one does his greatest work. He doesn't want us unified. He doesn't want us together. He wants us separate to isolate ourselves so the evil one can do the dirtiest of work in our hearts and in our lives. And I'm telling you, we have to be very careful. Any type of discrimination creates division. It's, if you go back, look in history, look in the Bible, even look at what's happening now in our country, I believe it can be traced to a demonic spirit that's working. The evil one wants to separate, wants to cause, wants to cause disunity. And, and church, if you hear nothing else that I'm saying right now, like our hope is not 
in a president. Our hope is not in Washington, D.C. Our hope isn't in different mayors. Our hope isn't in new laws being passed. Our hope is found in Jesus and in Jesus alone. That's it. And when our country begins to be unified around this principle of Jesus, and we're gonna talk about this in just a moment, I think that's when healing can begin in our communities and ultimately in our life. It's not Washington, it's Jesus. And here's how James kind of breaks this down, that if we're gonna end this discrimination, here's, here's some practical points, so just follow along. This is James chapter two, verse five through eight. Here's how he finishes. He says, listen to me, because of, that's all evil, he says, so listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? And aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Again, you discriminate against them. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed. It is good when you obey the royal laws as found in the scriptures. And here's what he's saying. At the end of the day, here's what matters most. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, here's what he, he repeats himself again. You are committing a sin and you are guilty of breaking the law. So if we're gonna end discrimination, here's three things that I think will be helpful for you. Here's the first one. Number one is that we must value people. We must value people. And that is the tagline of our church, that everyone is welcome and anything is possible. Your value isn't determined by what we see on the outside. Your value isn't determined by the color of your skin. Your value was determined by what Jesus paid for you. He gave his life for you. I, I love this illustration. I've used this before at the church, but this, this is a $100 bill. I had to find it in my wife's purse today. So this is as, as clean and as crisp as it can possibly be, right, for being in her purse. This is, it's a $100 bill. And if you were in this room with me and I was to say, who wants this $100 bill? All of your hands would go up. Like, I want that. And if your hand's not going up, just want to remind you that in a few minutes, uh, we're going to receive the offering online and we'd love for you to, I'm, I'm kidding, there's no manipulation with that. But all of us, right, this, this can buy, hey, Couple days worth of groceries. This can buy some sneakers. This can buy back to school stuff in a couple months. Like this is a, it's it's valuable. We all want this. But if I was to like crinkle it up, right? And like, that's just a big ball. And but oh, oh wait, right, let me get this. And I was to say, okay, now who still wants it? All of you would say, oh, I, I still do. I, I I still want it. Why? Because the value is the same. Regardless of what it looks like on the outside, regardless of how it smells, regardless how, how wrinkly it is, or no, we are how used and worn, or maybe even torn, and maybe you feel that way. The really powerful thing about this is our value is still the same. You haven't lost your value. In church, we look at everybody, regardless of your age, regardless of um, your skin color, is that our, our, our value is the same. Not one is greater than the other that all of us are made in the image of God, which therefore makes us so valuable. And when we understand that, the second point is that we value the teachings of Jesus. We value people, because all of us are made in the image of God. All of us are worth the same, and we value the teachings of Jesus. 
Just look through the Gospels. Jesus was, was there, right? I love, I love this story. When the lady was caught in adultery and all the religious people wanted to stone her because that's what the Old Testament law said, what did Jesus do? Man, Jesus met her, he looked at her, he shielded her from the religious crowd and said, I love you, I have a plan and a purpose for your life. Go and sin no more. If we're gonna be people that value people and value Jesus' teaching, that's gonna be who we are. Regardless of their past, regardless of their sin, regardless of what they look like, we are going to be those types of people, which ultimately brings us to the third point, and this is the scripture that I'm gonna say, and this is how James finishes this little passage. James says, for the person who keeps all the laws except one is guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said, you must not commit adultery, also said, you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, he's using extremes. He's saying, you have still broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. And then verse 13, this is the last verse. He says, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have not been merciful, God will be, but if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Listen to me. James is setting up the argument that faith without works is dead. That as followers of Jesus, that if we have experienced the mercy of God, and all of us have, here's the amazing thing. God does not treat us as our sins deserve. Aren't you thankful for that? I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for his mercy. And because I've experienced his mercy towards me, I have no other choice but to extend mercy to other people. So here's the third point, write this in your notes, that as followers of Jesus, if we're gonna end discrimination, we must value mercy. We must value mercy. Mercy is not winning an argument. Mercy is not a social media post. Mercy is not saying, well, yeah, but that, that's not mercy. Mercy is admitting. It's, it's a humble approach of saying, I don't know everything. What do I need to learn? Mercy is listening. Mercy is learning. Mercy is seeing a need and meeting it. Mercy is doing what many of you have done this week. I talked to that you've called some of your brothers and your sisters in faith and you've said, Help me understand. I don't know. What can I do? How can I serve you in this, in this moment? That's what mercy demands from us. And as followers of Jesus, we are commanded to show mercy. Think about what James is saying. That if we're unwilling to show mercy to other people, why, would, why should God show mercy to us? It's an incredible, it's an incredible thought. As followers of Jesus, we are going to show mercy. We're going to value the teachings of Jesus, and we're going to value people. And I want you to hear this passage. So Jesus, his famous Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus is talking about a lot of different topics, but I think this just speaks so clearly to where we are right now. And I know it's going to minister to you. But just, just don't even, I guess, hear this. Just receive the words of Jesus right now, right where you are. But here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter five. He says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. And here's the promise. 
for you'll be satisfied. So when you hunger and thirst for justice, you will be satisfied. God blesses those, here's our word, who are merciful. Why? Because they'll be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And church, as we close out our time today, just know, people in our community and people in our church, they're hurting. They're scared, full of anxiety. And what I'm convinced right now more than ever before is that what our country needs is not another politician, is really not even another sermon. What our country needs is Jesus. It needs the people of Jesus. For the, Maybe this is the first time for you to actually value other people just as much as you value yourself, even though they're different to value other people, to value the teachings of Jesus, not valuing that you have your theology all right. And that's important, but that's not what we should value right now in this moment. Value people, value the teachings of Jesus, and actually live that out. And ultimately, we value mercy. And man, once we, once we get that in our hearts, imagine the difference that we can make together as a body of believers. Think of what God might do in us and through us as we value people, value Jesus, and value mercy. And as we close out our time today, another church that I saw did this, I thought it just, it just spoke so much to me. But we're gonna end our time with just really a time of worship. And there's this song that just simply says that Jesus is our living hope. And maybe you feel overwhelmed today, you're worried so much of the unknown. Don't put your hope in a news channel, don't put your hope in Washington, put your hope in, in Jesus, because Jesus is what this world so desperately needs. So right now, right where you are, come on, just worship with us, allow this music, allow this, the words of this song to minister to you in a powerful way. Down from glory to where my sin 
and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of Kings calls me His own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my So right where you are, whatever room you find yourself in, and will you bow for prayer right now? And some of us today, we just have to admit, and maybe we haven't always valued people. In fact, don't even think about anybody else. Just think about right now, like 
in your own life. Maybe you haven't always valued people. You haven't always valued the teachings of Jesus. And maybe you haven't always shown mercy. I, I know I haven't. So right now together, let's just have a moment of confession and repentance. And I know this, that when we're honest, God doesn't reject the honest. He only rejects the proud. And God gives grace to those who are humble. And so right now, right where we are, God, we ask for your forgiveness. We admit that we have not always been people that have valued others. We haven't always been people that have, uh, that have valued your teaching. And we haven't always shown mercy. And so Lord, today we admit that. We ask for your forgiveness. And we pray for healing to be done in our heart and in our life. And we do take a moment, God, and we pray for healing of our country. I pray for a revival to take place. That the events and the circumstances, what maybe other people have meant for evil, God, that you will bring good from it and you will reveal yourself in such a powerful, powerful way that our only hope is in you and you alone. And with your heads bowed and your eyes still closed, Maybe some of you, you're tuning in and you would just admit, you would say, Jared, I can't sing the words of that song, that Jesus isn't my living hope. But today, you know right now that God's speaking to you and you know you need to give your life to him. Right where you are, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, just repeat this prayer. Just put it into your own words, but say something like this. Just say, today, God, I'm sorry. Start your prayer like that. Say, I'm sorry. Say, I'm sorry for going my own way. I'm sorry for keeping you at a distance. But today, as simply as I know how, I give my life to you. Tell them that. Say, I hold nothing back. I surrender everything that I have, everything that I am to you. And then just make this declaration. Say, today, Jesus, because of what you accomplished for me on the cross, I receive your grace. I receive all of your forgiveness. And today, I choose to follow now, Holy Spirit, I thank you for every person who's praying that prayer. Some, maybe that's the first time they've ever prayed a prayer like that. Others, it's a recommitment. Lord, thank you for, for saving people today. Thank you for de doing a, a healing work in our life. Lord, I do pray that the people of Jesus, I, I pray this, that we, will, that we will apply the words of Jesus to our life and we will live it out in practical ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, have you just prayed that prayer with me? Uh, if you do us a huge favor, take out that connection card, the on online connection card, and just let us know of your decision. Check the box. It's the same hassle-free guarantee, but we're going to send you an email, give you some very clear next steps of how to get connected into the life of our church. And one of the great next steps is what we call the growth track. In fact, right now, the month of June, we're offering the growth track online on Wednesday nights. My wife and I are leading it. You can join at any time. So if that's you, just let us know on that connection card. We'll send you all the links, all the information. And we would love to invite you into our home virtually this Wednesday night for the growth track. It'll be step, it'll be step to you. And church, before we send you out today, before we sign off, um, it's time for the offering. Aren't you excited about that? Hey, I know you're cheering. I know you're clapping. That's right. We cheer and we clap for the offering because we serve a give first God. So we're going to be a give first people. God loves it. God loves the cheerful giver. And let me just tell you, like, thank you for your amazing and faithful generosity. I mean, I'm so proud of you for all the incredible ministry that we are able to do. And don't forget, this week we made the announcement that we will regather together um, in our church for services on July the 12th. 
whoo, we're, we're almost there. Um, thank you for your incredible patience and being so flexible with us as we navigate really some of the decisions that we have to make. Uh, but you'll be getting information from your ministry leaders, just giving you all the details about what to expect for kids, for students, how to register and sign up for services. Uh, but it's, it's gonna be really exciting and I can't wait to see you. And really, I can't wait to see all the new faces that are now a part of our church come July the 12th. It's gonna be, it's gonna be amazing. All right, uh, let me pray a blessing over you. And, and again this week, um, regardless of what happens in the news, regardless of everything that, that you see and even all the talking heads, even on social media, uh, let's be people that are gonna value others value Jesus, and value mercy, and watch and see the difference that all of us can make. Let me pray. God, thank you for these amazing people. I do pray for boldness and courage, and I pray that they will have the best Sunday afternoon that they've ever had. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Church, I love you. Keep signing in. We'll see you next weekend. God bless you.